Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I am surrounded by the biggest group of guys so far 
uh, at this NWTF convention. Uh, got a great group of guys around us. We're going to talk about all things turkey. Um, starting from my left, going to my right, we got Kyle Sides on the podcast, who has, depending on when this episode drops, he's been on a couple other episodes so far. Uh, so that's our buddy Kyle Sides from Alabama. We have Tyler Malone uh, stepping in on this podcast. We'll see. Tyler, I know you got some questions for us today. Okay. Then we have Shane Simpson, Mr. Calling All Turkeys. And then we have the one and only Catman. Jonathan Bone. So, anyways, guys, uh, got, we're at the two, 2022 NWTF convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, talking all things turkey here. So, Shane, thanks for coming down. Thank well, you. Thanks for coming to the booth. And, of course, old Catman, you too. I know y'all, you're out there, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies out there. Yeah, we had a prime over here. <laughs> I, I called him. I could hear the women in the background, too, when I called. They were like, oh, come on, one more photo. Catman. Oh, my gosh. I, I, like, I can't even make it into the, the <laughs> convention hall without running into somebody I know. I mean, I'm running into people. I know that mm-hmm. are local here, so we're sitting here, you yeah, know, yeah. shooting the breeze, talking about it, whatever. And then I get a call from Shane. It's like I'll call him back in a minute. <laughs> then I get a call from you, and I'm so wait, have they done that podcast? Because I, I thought I was late. I thought I was going to miss that. But then you both called, so I said a better answer. Yeah, I was just complaining <laughs> of Jacob because he you answered his phone, but not mine. I said, what's up with that? Why well, it was like if you had called me twice, I would have answered you the second okay. time. Yeah, yeah. I realized it was urgent when I kept getting calls. <laughs> he knew the ginger bow hunter was calling. He's like, it's important. We got to get into this. Shane, I know where I stand now. <laughs> I said, I know, no, I said, I know Shane's with him right now. I bet, I bet they won't make him do a podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> a better answer. So <laughs> yeah, we can't do a podcast if it's just Shane. I'm sorry. No, dude. Uh, so, Shane, we had you on last year. Uh, again, it was I told you earlier, it was by far um, the most popular turkey podcast we put out, which was the Fundamentals of Turkey Hunting. Kind of getting into turkey hunting and the intro into, you know, all things turkey hunting. We went over gear. We went over calling. We went over scouting. I mean, literally pretty much anything and everything someone needed to learn, we went over on that episode. Uh, Catman, we haven't – Jonathan, we haven't had you on. It's been – it's been a little bit. At least two ye- two years, maybe? 2020, maybe? Maybe 2019 was the last time. But uh, we've had you on at least once, maybe twice. Uh, I think it was one turkey hunting. I think we had one at the expo, one of the expos, too. But you, it's been a while since you've been on. A lot of things have changed. Um, but, dude, we got a lot to talk about. So, real quick, um, I want to kick this off. I want to learn some stories or, or hear a little bit about y'all's background. Shane, I've never asked you about turkey hunting, like your background. I know Kyle had questions on that, which I'm going to let Kyle ask that. But, Jonathan... How did you get introduced to turkey hunting, and why is it now such a big passion for you? Um, it was something that sparked uh, back in 2009. I grew up in the suburbs, but we had a little bit of woods in the backyard. And Thanksgiving Day, a whole flock of turkeys comes through, and I go out there like a fool, chasing them off, watching them fly into the trees, and <laughs> that just got me to thinking, like, what uh, what can I do to catch one of these? I want to catch and cook one. I'd been fishing for since I was little, so. You know, I had, I was already into the outdoors. I had never hunted or thought about hunting before, and so one thing led to another. I started doing some research, watching some videos, learned regulations, learned that you can't trap turkeys, that you, and then learned you can call them in, how to make a tube call, and so that's the first call I started using was a homemade tube call, and then you know I get a box call, pot call, learn how to use those, and mm-hmm. just kind of went one thing after another. I went with a friend of mine I used to fish with uh, in 2010. I went with him once, and we almost killed one. And then uh, 2011, I kind of took off on my own and and just went from there. So, again, you were you just saw them, and you were curious, like, how can I catch one of these things? <laughs> yeah. How did so? Just to give us a little background, uh, I mean, I know this, but some of the listeners might not. You don't come from like a hunting family, like no, nobody in my family hunts. They, they tolerated me very well when I was in the house, you know, like 
doing stuff out in the backyard and and uh, cleaning fish and stuff. And, and then when I did get into hunting, I I uh, butchered my first deer in the garage. I didn't even have something to hang it up with. I had to do one side at a time, like when you quarter <laughs> one out. Uh, so they. That's the go-to they, method these days, just to lay it on the ground mm-hmm. and do one side and another. I, I had to do that once this past season because uh, I was way back in there. If you're trying to be hip and cool, that, that's, that's what you got to do. <laughs> no, I'll drag, them, I'll drag them or cart them out, but that last one I killed was uh, about a mile back in a holler, so it made more sense to uh, quarter that one. But, yeah, uh, nobody in my family hunts, but, uh, they I mean, I'll bring them deer meat and everything, whatever turkey I feel like sparing because you don't get as much of that <laughs> but uh yeah i just i've always been into the outdoors and this one thing after another started with fishing and even just like learning plants and trees and stuff when i was younger like all that stuff always interested me so it was one thing after another and of course turkey hunting and then deer hunting followed uh squirrel small game everything um but turkey's got a special place in my heart because there's nothing quite like it. I've got to ask you this. What was the story on your first turkey you actually were able to kill? Oh, that was, yeah, I'll never forget that. Um, they had burned some fields that year, like really good burns. So the fields were bare, black, burnt fields. And uh, I was way back in and hadn't done any good that morning. It was my, my third morning. I think it was April 9th. 2011 it was like my third morning there had been people hunting in there all week and uh i had been close i think i'd missed a gobbler that was like 60 70 yards out in a field uh, it might have been opening day i don't remember (laughs) but uh there's turkeys everywhere people everywhere and uh it was the third day in there i think it was a wednesday if i remember right and i I remember there there being another car there but i never saw who it was but i anyways i heard this bird gobbling way off so i worked my way through the woods you know about a mile and come up on this burnt field and there's a whole ball of turkeys you know full full fan strutters jakes hands everything and i had my homemade tube call and i tried to do a cluck and purr because i heard that was like a content feeding noise i think it sounded like a fighting purr because this hen came in hot and she had two or three jakes right on her tail and i shot a jake at six yards and that was my first that was my first turkey that's awesome well, dude, I, I, my first turkey, I'll, I'll probably won't tell this story too many times on these episodes, but I shot my first turkey, and it was in North Carolina. It was a Jake hunting with a buddy of mine. And this was only four years ago, five years ago, because, again, I grew up – we turkey hunted growing up for, like, a couple years with my uncles. My, my dad didn't grow up hunting or anything, so I had to go hunting with my mom's brothers. And their idea of turkey hunting was go sit on a green field and, like, deer hunt. And it was terrible. It was miserable. It was shooting, not- with, shooting with a rifle, too? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no we From sit- a redneck blind? <laughs> <laughs> no, so we'd sit there and, and like we'd call a bit, but we, we weren't hunting big properties. Like biggest property was like 89, 80 to ninety acres, and it just you know they weren't staying there. So like you were just catching them like mid morning trying to come through, and it was just miserable. Like we saw some turkeys, but it was just miserable. So I stopped hunting for turkey hunting for a long time. But uh, we, I killed one in a burn in North Carolina, some public land. It was Jake. It was two Jakes that came in goblin. Did not know. We went in there. Me and a buddy of mine went in there, and it was uh, smoldering. Like it, the, the fire had just the crew had just come out. 
stumps were still like burning like that night we located the birds and they were inside the burn so we're like okay we're gonna go in and hunt them tomorrow and hunt in there and we were wearing i think it was mossy oak or whatever so we're sitting in this burnt forest like there's some shrubs and stuff that's all torched up but it's like everything's black and we're wearing all this green and brown we're sitting there i'm like this doesn't look right but we got up there and the birds finally uh well, they just thought it was a tree it didn't catch fire no, <laughs> no that one didn't burn that's yeah, weird no, it, but we, we probably s- some bugs around that <laughs> <laughs> big stone oh, man Dress up, uh, oh, never. I was gonna say, <laughs> but uh, anyways, but they, you know, we located some birds on the on the roost, and they were goblin. And come to find out, it was I guess you call them super jakes. They were jakes that were goblin coming in, and they were coming down this old logging road. And by the time they got to you know, twenty five steps from us, it was too late for them. They peeked up behind some bush, and we did three, two, one, boom, and both of us shot these jakes, and it was awesome, dude. But it's like everybody's stories different and interesting which kind of gets me over i want to talk to shane or actually kyle you can ask the question if you want i know you're very interested in shane's background because i've never asked shane kind of i don't think like intro into turkeys and kind of how that happened with you but kyle do you want to take it away yeah i'm fascinated kind of how people start out and everything so when did you start out how long ago and kind of what was the art of it you know yeah, that's many years ago. Let me see if I can. That's, I know you can remember. Yeah, I can remember. I don't know how initially I got into it. It's probably my older brother because um, before he went off to join the army, for the first few years of my hunting career, it was kind of an inspiration with him. You know, seeing him go out, and I wanted to do what he was doing. And um, I remember going turkey hunting for the first time, and I don't remember all the details of how what made me decide to go that season. But I went out there. And I didn't do nothing about it. I just walked around with a shotgun, hoping to see one. I was going to shoot like a squirrel or something, you know. <laughs> and I ran into this. We had public land that butted up to our 50 acres of private. And we wandered out onto it. And they had a little logging deck there. And another hunter was coming out. And he's like, what are you doing? I was hunting with my uh, other brother. And, he, and we're turkey hunting. Are you running any calls? You know, what are you doing? I was like, no, we know nothing about it. So he pulled out out of his pack. I don't know if he had a backpack or something. He had brand new HS struck mouth calls in there, still in the package, and he gave us each one. So learn to use this, sit down, and call a turkey in. That's kind of the way it goes. And so I practiced with it, and I don't recall how good I was at the time. I'm sure I pretty much sucked, but um, I went to an area that looked in my mind at the time turkeyish you know near a logging road some little oaks a transition of pines i was i didn't know anything about the transitions and stuff at that time but it just looked like a good spot and i saw some scratchings and i sat down and i made some turkey calls and it wasn't long later i guess it was the first time i heard drumming because mm. i thought it was someone coughing it was like a <clears throat> and i think it was a and i'm like what is that and then i hear and i'm like oh i'm another turkey hunters walking up on me because <laughs> this was on the public and it sounded like a person walking <laughs> sorry got people outside the booth taunting me um <laughs> anyway it, it sounded like a person walking and so i put my guard down and i'm just sitting like this and it's getting closer and closer there's a big deadfall in front of me and out walks a gobbler and i thought it was a person walking he come right to my calls first attempt mm-hmm. and i'm like Oh, it's a turkey. Now what? My gun's <laughs> laying on my lap. And so I slowly start getting my gun up. And he's just looking at me. He's like 15 yards away. And I get my gun all the way up. And as soon as I close my left eye to look down at that was enough. And he turned and hauled butt and was out of there. And I'm like, dang it, Shane. Why wasn't you ready? Two, I think it was two to, a few days later uh, I called in one and, and killed it. But that's that was kind of a, my first hunt and, and 
inspiration to getting started was because of my older brother hunting and I, I wanted to do it too plus when I was little growing up in South Carolina we'd take our BB guns we'd shoot everything you know and my dad finally said son you can't be out there just shooting birds and stuff you gotta you know shoot the, the crows or whatever that's fine and so um, I just wanted to be out there in the woods doing something and then I got on the right track and, and didn't kill Tweety Birds and we all, started we obeying all the law. <laughs> we all <laughs> did that as kids. I, none of, if any of us say we didn't shoot songbirds with a BB gun when we were younger, we're, you're lying. Yeah. We all, hey, we oh, all yeah. done that. When I was real young, not to get too sidetracked on this, like I was probably, I'll say really, like 10, 11 years old, I had a pellet gun and we had we were living on like an eight acre little farm and yeah, there was, I was like, I knew people hunted doves, never been dove hunting before. I saw doves out there in one of those little oak trees and they'd always land this one oak tree. I was like, I'll bet you I could get close enough and like try to shoot him because I was shooting like solo red solo cups and stuff just to try to practice off the back porch. I remember I snuck up there and, and shot one out of the tree and it was like May when I shot. <laughs> I, called, I called my uncles and who uh, <laughs> dove hunts. I was like, how do you how do you clean one of these things or cook it, whatever? And he qu- very quickly told me he's like uh, he told me how he's like don't do that one again. He's like he's like he's like we'll take you out September. That was my first dove hunt ever. Was that September with a shotgun? I was like this is way different than the baby gun. But yeah, you know, you're, you're, I, you're I've right. got to apologize again. Just like when we were interviewed last time with Andrew, I was looking at you answering Andrew's question. I should have been <laughs> no looking. Problem. At oh, I, 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 listen, I got, I got those deep eyes, Bear Bear. Watch out, listen. <laughs> you're just right in front of me, so. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, this. Sorry, is, sorry, Kyle. Kyle, no, you I'll Kyle. turn this way. <laughs> listen, I mean, I started with Tweety Birds too. I actually started in our backyard, a hunting club. Had a sign out board, everything. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother, uh, we'd we'd get a pen. We grew up in a hunting club mm-hmm. where we had to sign out. And I, we'd have to write our name, where, where, what direction we wanted to go, and uh, you had to stay in your section. That is your part of the yard. I'm bird hunting over here, but it was that was my childhood. That was a lot of fun. So, kind of the intro into turkey hunting, I find interesting. I know Tyler got you on here real quick. I got to have you talk for a second, dude, because uh, you kind of got in turkey hunting late too. I mean, kind of yeah. like me. I mean, I hunted a little bit early, but I didn't really start turkey hunting until like probably even after college, to be honest. Yeah, so, I got let's say probably three years ago. And I had one bird gobble 20 yards from me on National Forest, and that was it. I'd rather turkey hunt and deer hunt now. Mm-hmm. It's just something, mm-hmm. something. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Something different. And that uh, don't need. I don't needs to be said for at least for us as turkey hunters. We we understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until you've so, until you've experienced it, you it's you can't really describe it. Just yeah. having a bird gobble close where you can feel the gobble, not just hear mm-hmm. it. Yeah, my whole soul felt it. it yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was. And then after that, uh, that's all I think about. Like last year, I missed maybe like six mornings. And then now, Alabama, you can't hunt past one, so I won't miss a morning now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. But yeah, other than that, like I said, I've been deer hunting my whole life and picked up on it, started watching Catman and Dave Owens and Shane and this. No, you ain't got to throw my name in there just because I'm sitting next to you. Oh, no, I promise. I, I guarantee you go to my YouTube history. It's, it's full of it. and uh, But it's hard It's hard not to like it when you see y'all guys just make it look easy out there. 
Absolutely. Especially Shane. This butter up, Tyler. Butter oh, up. Yeah. Well, I, I had him in the comment because he said cause he's sitting next to oh, me. No, no, and no. I was staring at him right when he was listening. <laughs> to him. You better say Shane. But yeah, now, I mean, now, I, from now I'm traveling different states. Tennessee, went to Oklahoma last year. Yeah, you went all in, dude. Yeah, like, you went from, like, not turkey hunting to, like, this dude's traveling. He's like, yeah. he's like, I barely know. I'm like, for, like, learning how to call. Oh, yeah. like, I'm just going to go places and try to get opportunities. And, and then, then the traveling's addictive, though. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the wife at home crapping at you, so I just stay going longer. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, <laughs> relationship advice with Tyler Malone. Yeah, I mean, but she, I mean, she works, too. we got two kids. She got somebody got to be at home. But the uh, last year was my best season. I killed two on National Forest, one in Oklahoma, and uh, something about something about uh, I've killed one every year. But last year was my best. Something about killing one on public land, National Forest. It's mm-hmm. well, so we can't go around the table and all tell you know kind of intros into turkeys like our own stories about talking to Kyle. So Kyle, what, what's oh, your? Lord. I've never asked you that either. So I'm learning about all you guys right now. Yeah, I've probably been doing it since I was four or five. And I was right at my daddy's hip and everything. But I remember I was probably six or seven. I got to take my 410 by myself. Probably not good advice. But um, anyways, by yourself. By myself. No, no, no adult with you. He, he was over the ridge. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. Thank <laughs> you. He was over the ridge, but anyways, I I, I remember I had this hey, little bitty uh roll tide, roll tide, We started young. Oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> like, Hunter, I'm young. Like, what's Hunter's education again? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that, that is, is take that. That was Dad showed you, and then go sit right here. And, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, we don't need no certificates. It's like throwing you into the water, make you swim. Drown or swim. And I really think you know I became hard headed in learning that way, and you know my daddy not teaching me as much. But at the same time, I, I feel like I learned a little bit quicker, um, or I made a lot of mistakes and learned from them pretty quickly. But best teacher anyways, out there. absolutely. I started with a, a little bitty glass slate call. It had a painting on it. And I think it was a guy. I forget who made it, but it was a beautiful uh, gobbler on it. He was gobbling. It had lightning bolts around it. Funny story. I've been struck by lightning, so it was it was always kind of funny. I wouldn't consider that funny. Very blessed. Very you laugh after you were struck. <laughs> but I was always enamored by that by that call and everything. And I remember the first time that I went out, uh, I guess by myself, and uh, I, these trees were just painted. It was on a ridge. They were painted. I mean, crap. I mean, there was birds all in there. Anyways, I got in there pretty early that afternoon. And I was sitting there just calling on it, having a little bitty 410, and uh, all of a sudden I, I heard drumming. I was like, what is that? <laughs> that is unreal. And then I heard, I heard walking. I heard walking. And at this point, just like out and just like y'all earlier, had my gun in my freaking lap. Same, same story. It happens every freaking time. I had it in my lap, and then all of a sudden he gobbled. I was like, oh my gosh. I got that call, and boy, I went on it. I just kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. Well, he just kept gobbling, kept calling. It was actually four or five different long beards and probably, yeah, 10 or 15 uh, hens. I mean, it was it was a load of them. Anyways, I was so fascinated by them coming in there and actually responding to my call. I didn't pick my gun up. I did not pick it up. I was so fascinated. Then birds flew up all around me. And they were sitting there gobbling, strutting, drumming, just, just doing their thing in the trees. I did not shoot that bird. And I remember I actually, for three years after that, I'm not kidding, three years after that, every time I'd fire up a turkey, I would never shoot it. 
same same scenario that actually that year i called another bird in from like two or three hundred yards so this is amazing i crawled up to this little ridge and this bird flew up i mean here to the end of this walkway right here and i watched him strut for i mean until i couldn't see him no more but i was so fascinated that man i, I just i made that happen you know i called to him he gobbled i was so fascinated in that i never i didn't shoot a turkey the first five or six years because I, I was so fascinated in that and uh so that you almost became bit. a wildlife photographer i'm telling you yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i'm glad i didn't have a camera in them lord of mercy but uh that's, that's kind of how i started i was just so fascinating being able to communicate with them like that that's still am still am. it, it is still hard for me sometimes to pick that gun up because i just i love watching them and and uh just the whole process of it it's it's, it's an art and uh but I'm heavily addicted now. You can ask my wife about it. But and I try I, to save my brownie points. I feel bad <laughs> like when Jacob was talking about he can't hear the drumming. And oh, my God. That was like so, one of my first. Like I talked about the one that came in, and I think that was the first time I heard a drum, but I'm not sure. It sounded like a cough almost. But the first time I actually experienced drumming, I had a bird roosted behind me, and, and I had some in front of me. And he went quiet. And I, I'm young this time, right? And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear you can't hear what i just did jacob no i can, I can hear that no it's, it's the frequency i've talked to actually mm. i talked to it was a biologist and it's like some people like just cannot hear that frequency because oh it, it is a frequency it sounds like an 18 wheeler in the distance and that's what i thought yeah, it was exactly. when i first heard it because the interstate was like two miles away and i'm like and i kept hearing it and then finally i felt it inside and i'm mm-hmm. like this started kind of scared me a little bit you know somebody's like 14 <laughs> years old and i'm like Having a heart what is this what is this noise I, I would hear that noise thinking it was a uh, truck in the distance and then it got to the point where I could feel it in my body and I'm and then being 14 years old this this kind of you know scared me a little bit you know not terrified but I was like this is weird you know and it was getting louder and closer and when one's like he must have been less than 10 yards behind me and, and it was cedars and stuff so it's pretty thick he was just and just shake my whole body and he finally popped out and he had all the colors in his head and stuff and that was the first time I'd seen a gobbler all decked out like that and I'm like what in the world is this a peacock or something <laughs> and it finally my it dawned on me this was a gobbler and that was him making the noises and um, I mean and like you said that's an amazing experience and ever since then that drumming it has to be part of turkey hunting or it, it's not as enjoyable you know goblin's great yeah mm-hmm. but when you get them in close and they just shake your whole body with that drumming it's, there's nothing like it i remember no. the first time i actually heard it i had heard about it so i killed my first bird in april 2011 i didn't hear drumming until opening weekend 2013 and i remember that hunt like clear as day that was one of my most memorable hunts and I got it on video too. Yeah, I think that I was can, the first kill shot I got on video too. Wow! And I, can I was tell filming you. with a little point and shoot camera, 720p, terrible video quality. <laughs> but that's like you can't hear the drum on the video. But I remember that's the first time I heard it, and he was in full strut, and he popped his head out and I shot him. I can tell you exactly when I heard it the first time. I struck this bird on the on the dirt road, probably 300 yards away, down a holler, up a hill, cross the holler, go up, set in. You know, it's not ideal. The bird's on top of a ridge, and I sat down below. But this junk was so fired up. I think I, I think I, I called him across the Mississippi River. That's how fired up he was. <laughs> so I just sat down with a pine tree behind my back. He's on top of the hill just hammering everything I can throw at him. First year, I started turkey hunting. So my call sounded like crap, whatever. And I heard that heard that spitting drumming. That's the first time I heard it. I killed him like five seconds later. He top, popped, come down the hill, and I just first time I ever heard it. And I, I'm hooked. 
Yes. I've got a pet turkey at home, a Royal Palm Jake, and, <laughs> and I can hear him drum from inside my apartment. And well, I'll let him out, let the chickens out in the morning, and he, go, he goes to strut, and his head goes three different colors, and he goes and spits and drums around. I love it. It never gets old. Not quite the same as a wild bird, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's the off season now, so I'll take what I can get. I tell you that I mean that really is something that really has worried me as far as losing that that sense and everything because we we use it so much. Whenever and, I target shoot, I wear oh earmuffs. Oh my gosh! And oh, I mean, yeah. twenty-seven. I wish. I mean, I'm not old, but I wish I'd have done it a yeah. lot. I mean, because I, I, I definitely right now can tell the difference, yeah. and that, you know, that scares the crap out of me. Someone's created an app for a phone that can hear it. And then it would vibrate <laughs> on your, in your pocket. Just play it through loud enough subwoofer, you'll feel it. Uh, no, I'm saying when you're hunting, <laughs> but that might be illegal. If it's, if it's your phone detects that sound, it, it would vibrate in like your pocket, you and it would go. Drumming. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so, so you am say, I getting a text message or am <laughs> I? So you say, yeah. so, is he 50 yards or 500 yards? <laughs> so, so what's the furthest you can hear one, Shane? I've you heard, said 80. You said well ago. I've heard him. I, I'm guessing around 100 yards. Yeah. Um, I hunted with Joe Slayton one time in uh, Wisconsin, and we had a bird goblin, and it went quiet, and he said, I hear drumming, and I was like, no way, because it was a river between us and the bird, and that river was over 100 yards wide. And I said, no way you're hearing that drumming. He said, I hear drumming. And it wasn't long later that this bird showed up on that riverbank and flew across to us. So he heard it well over 100 yards away. Yeah. So and, different birds have different volume of drumming, yeah. too. That's right. I even noticed that. I, that's something I learned having – I got that pet turkey not too long ago. I noticed he he's drums louder and quieter depending on what mood he's in. What about – this is what, something I've thought about is, you know, people talk about their goblin or their drumming. And I always wonder if their crop is full of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that affect Because I think the sound is coming from that – if you, when you kill a goblin, they haven't. You know, their crop is empty. It's got a little bit of juice in there mm-hmm. sometimes, or leaves. But you can beat on their chest. Right. Go, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, mm-hmm. wait, when he gets into eating, eating on the chicken scratch and gorges himself, he'll sneeze sometimes, and it's a little <laughs> like like he's trying to drum. <laughs> but does he go and strut afterwards? He's after no. he's eating a lot, and, and can you hear like, or do you hear a you know, louder? I haven't, I haven't paid attention to that. I'm gonna go out there and uh, tomorrow morning and feed him, and I'm gonna watch him drum, uh, strut around, and, and then I'll feed him and see if there's a difference. Dude, listen, we're having a new video series on the Catman uh, YouTube channel just about you know we're gonna do a little scientific study right here, <laughs> do a little science fair project, you know, back in, back in the day, back in grade school, middle school. Um, He's supposed to be fattening that gobbler up so he can let it go, and I can come down here and kill me a white gobbler on public land. 1,500 Bitcoin. Yeah, 50-pound yeah. gobbler. For 1,500 Bitcoin. <laughs> okay, yeah, now we're talking. That'll, that'll help me replace my flock for next year with more more uh, rare smoke-phased gobblers. He doesn't have, his beard's about an inch long right now, so it'll go up to you know 2,500 once he's beard, a long He's beard. got beard rot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, bleach, I'll bleach the end of his beard, make it look like beard rot. Don't mind that Jake fan he's got. <laughs> he he rubbed his spurs off from fighting. It's, he's uh, climbing the rocks, the Aggressive. hilly terrain in Tennessee, right? Yeah, the concrete driveway is rough <laughs> on him. <laughs> he's actually rubbed about two inches off his wingtips from strutting on the concrete mm, so much. I believe it. <laughs> 
Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls. But they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call. And you just need to go look it up. It's very it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spurmaster, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think, Catman. See, I like calling you Jonathan. Everybody calls you Catman. I don't know. It's, it either or I know. So, okay, so listen, Jonathan. So I think everybody, when, when people think of turkey hunting, they think of Catman Outdoors, they think Wingbone. What is what to you is like so like why do you like a wingbone call and like because I've hunted with you before and you've used it. He sucks at a mouth call here. That's, uh, that's Shane. <laughs> Shane said it. Um, no, I mean that's part of it, but that's not why I like the wingbone. I suck at a mouth call because I don't you know, practice enough. Yeah. Because I like the wingbone. He knows I'm messing um, with Shane's him. throwing that shade. <laughs> Shane, yeah. sh- shady Shane, bro. I suck with a wingbone, man. What, uh, you he can't even too. get. You yeah. can't even get one built. You <laughs> threw you threw your bones in the trash because you couldn't even get finished making. Yeah, I'm one. a quitter. I, I, you weren't supposed to tell everyone that. I'll, well, I'll let a mouth. I'll, I'll let a mouth call rot, dry rot, and throw it in the trash too. Yeah, so. I, I wanted to build some wingbones because watching Catman kind of inspired me. But yeah, that's a lot more work mm-hmm. than I was willing to do. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. It's the cool factor is what got me to try it. It was like I read about it, and I was like, that's cool. I'm killing gobblers. I can use their wings to make a call. I have to try it. So I tried it and then practiced with it and killed a bird or two with it. And uh, once I got comfortable with using the call, I got confident with it. I was like, well, I'll just keep using it because it's working. And so I'll carry a couple other calls. I like to carry a pot call. And a mouth call for backup. Yeah, I can yelp, believe it or not, on a mouth call. <laughs> and I can cut. But um, I'll, I'll have my backup, like two or three backup calls. But the wing bone's been my go-to for the past, well, since 2013. Uh, is when I, the one I've got with me right now I made in 2013. I'm still carrying it. It's, cer- wow. it's certainly treated you well because you, you've killed probably more turkeys than I have in the last 10 years, it looks like. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you may have filmed or called in more turkeys. I'm talking about personally. Personally, uh, yeah. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. You're more generous than me. You let other people do the shooting a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what? what is a, uh, a call like that run if you sell it? it? I think it depends on who you get it from. I mean, you could probably get them pretty cheap or make your own. Uh, I'm going up on price this year because they're selling too fast, and I don't make very many. So... I got people wearing me out asking for wing bones. When are you going to have more made? I'm working on them. I'll have so them. like 200 bucks, 150. Yeah, 200. Yeah, and it depends. If it's a more fancy call, it'll get up there two, three hundred bucks. And if you get some of these award-winning call, call makers, mm-hmm. then you, you, yeah. So. Hey, I've never entered in a contest. I probably should eventually, but 
I just kind of do it for fun. Well, the, the amount of work that has to be put into it, because like I said, I, I tinkered with it a little bit, and I was like, yeah, this is more than it's worth to me. I mean, more effort than, than I want to expend on this project. I would have no problem paying, you know, well over $100, because I know that's a yeah. lot of effort that he put into the making that call. Yeah. Especially, so, especially if it sounds, I mean, you can... Oh, I make sure I test run them all. They all sound good. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sell a call that's that's uh, faulty or doesn't have a good tone to it. So that that, that marble look does that is that that's that the how, bone. That's that's that marble look. You don't paint or nothing with this, it. No, this one's polished from carrying it and using it so much. It's actually got a shine to it because it's I've been hunting with it for years. But they come out a more flat white I got per, you. pearl color or not pearl. I guess you could say like a like ivory. Would it be like an eggshell? <laughs> color uh, look to it. Mm -hmm. Man, we yeah. painting walls on a house. Semi right? yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like a satin yeah. or, or a <laughs> semi-matte with, with a clear coat. No, it, this one's real shiny. That's a new, a new paint color. Uh, wing bone, wing bone white. call. <laughs> uh, listen now. Oh, NWTF will market satin. it. Absolutely. Get a paint chip for it. Hey, real quick, Catman, <clears throat> Jonathan, God, uh, Jonathan, here we go. What is, when it comes to running a wing bone, there is a iconic sound it makes that I don't know can that be replicated like that kind of like that, I can't I can't do it with my mouth but like the way it like when you're producing that sound I haven't heard somebody run a mouth call that sounds exactly like it it produces its very own kind of frequency and sound it's got its own tone its yeah. own tone that's, that's like a better a way to, to it I, I tried to fool some people with a mouth call mm -hmm. um, sounding like a wing bone mm -hmm. I played a recording and uh, I said guess what kind of call this most of them thought it was a trumpet Mm. And I was running a mouth call. I haven't been able to duplicate that sound with a mouth call. I can get a trumpet, which is similar, but that does have a, a little bit more unique sound than, say, a trumpet does. So yeah. if, if if they're not gobbling to a mouth call, box call, pot call, is that something you can use to try to pull more, more likely pull one out? Yeah, that just depends on the situation. That depends on the bird, it, and it's backwards for me. I'll run the mouth call, or I'll run the wingbone call first, and if nothing's hitting that, I'll I'll pull out a uh, like a crystal pot call or something, and uh, or sometimes a tube call, and and give them a different tone, see if that works. So, like most people would use a wingbone as a backup if their main calls don't get a gobble, and I kind of do yeah. it the other way around. But it, it again, it all depends on the bird. And what mood he's in, what sound he likes. So that would be a good example. Would be Dave in one of his videos yeah. last year where he had those birds go by. And he pulled out a trumpet, yeah, and, and was able to bring back different sound. Uh, you know, something they may like. Maybe it was something that registered as familiar with them. A turkey that used to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, there, they, there they he is. He's over here. Where's he been for the last two weeks? <laughs> that's what. That's what we forget, or might not even realize sometimes, is that. Those birds, when they're in winter flocks, and when they're in flocks uh, on, during the off season, they are all chattering, talking. They all recognize each other's voice, kind of yeah. like we do. If, I, if Shane starts talking, I know it's Shane. And so he, that gobbler may think that one particular call sounds like that hen that he knows. Or uh, it's a new hen that he's or in. Or a new hen. Yeah, he's like, like, oh, oh I who's heard this? this? But a lot of times, yeah, it's the more familiar sounds, I think, would work better. You know, it's just like a fall flock. If you went out there and and you call and you scatter them and you start yelping and kikiing to them as long as that that adult hen hasn't said a word you're in the game but as soon as she yelps and they know she's over there oh there goes the whole flock you're out of the game so i mean if if you could happen and you won't know this but if you happen to get lucky and make a sound that they may be familiar with maybe it's that call 
then and sometimes that's all it takes. And also that gobbler went from hung up to running into you. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, I know that hen. She's ready. But burning you know, up. But yeah. without knowing what they know or have heard, it's it's just speculation. You know, yeah. you, you never figure out like why do birds do what mm-hmm. they do sometimes. Yeah, and that's that's why we say you just got to take his temperature and figure out what he likes and if he's in the mood. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we don't. That's what's that's the part of the challenge of it. Yeah, sometimes I've thrown every single call I've had at them, and it hasn't changed anything. So sometimes they just don't want to come to you calling yep what is y'all's take on leaving a bird to go find another bird <laughs> field bird first bird i'll leave is a field bird mm-hmm. especially if he's got hens but or if he's just <coughs> disinterested uninterested uh, i'll i'll leave a bird if he's just completely not in the mood and doesn't seem like he's going to be in the mood anytime soon and if i know where some other birds might be like, I'm not going to go looking in some random place I've never been that I don't even know if there's turkeys. Mm-hmm. You don't leave a bird to find a bird. You might leave a bird because he's not in the mood and go look for one of the other birds you know about and see if they're in the mood. That's what I'll do. Yeah, that's, I think that's the key there is leaving one. And I may be guilty of leaving one without having one. Mm-hmm. But if there's one that's stubborn and it's obvious that I'm going to have to put a lot more work in this bird than, and he's... You know, going away from me whatever if I know there's another bird like I've heard one that earlier that morning like 500 yards away gobble once or twice I'm willing to leave that one to go after him to see if he's more in the mood and then maybe come back to this one and roost him that evening or hunt yeah. him the next day always or keep something. him in the back of your head you're not leaving him for good you can come back to him another that's, time that's cost me a lot of birds because I would get so hung up on this one right here that's 200 yards out or less that I would stick with him try to stick with him all day and then there was other ones I had opportunities I probably could have had a better chance at. And I wasted a whole day. And I also don't, uh, I advise people don't get so locked in on one bird for a season or a week or two. Because that's cost me before where I, I was so set on killing that gobbler yep. that I wasted a lot of time. And then um, RJ, uh, RG's a do prime example of, uh, of one that I, I wanted him bad because I missed him. And... Who knows if it was the same as that bird, but it was a small little woodlot. He was always there, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. He was very finicky. You know, did things that just, I couldn't wrap my head around why he did things he did. And I finally gave up on him and said, I'm wasting too much time on this bird. I went and hunted other areas. I came back like a week or two later. First set up, I called, he gobbled. He was there in a few minutes, I killed him. And, and it just needed that break from him. But I had fun hunting other places in the meantime, instead of just wasting a lot of my season right there with him. They call them season wreckers when you spend all season. That's been I mean, that's been my whole life. Jacob keeps, I mean, I, <laughs> Jacob keeps I'm pointing like, at you. I'm, not, I'm like, so Kyle, what's, this what's is, the story? I'm the biggest thing. I mean, I build soul ties with these turkeys. I mean, just the stories get so in depth and just it it, it drives me insane. <laughs> and I mean, I really, I, I could have killed so many more birds and traveled so many other places. And it's just, God, when he gets in my head and I can't kill him. Just, that wrecks me, man. I mean, it wrecks me. So that's, that's the biggest thing. It's probably one of those things I learned as a child on my own that I need to break now. I mean, that by far was probably the biggest thing. If I Yeah, but those <laughs> birds, once you do get them, I they what? don't even have to have, you know, inch and a half spurs. I, I mean, they have three-quarter spurs, and those are trophies. I think it's a matter of personal yeah. preference. If yeah. you want to focus on that one bird or if you want to go out and kill other birds, that's hey, there's not a right or wrong mm-hmm. way. It's whatever, sure. get, whatever gets you going. It, it would probably... 
uh, be uh, a lot would weigh on the uh, factor in on where I'm hunting. Like mm-hmm. if I was in Mississippi and I'm finding trouble, having trouble finding birds, and I got one that I'm on, and he's being stubborn, I'm probably going to stick with him because you know, especially I'm traveling out of state. I don't, I'm not familiar with this area in particular, maybe. Um, so if you got one, you know, one in hand, you know, stick with them sometimes. But if I'm in my, my normal local area and I know other places, I know where birds like to be, mm-hmm. then it's easier just to give up yeah. on this one and come back later. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got a question here. Okay. What, uh, for cat man? Oh, or, okay. Or, or you, no, no, either one, either <laughs> one, either one, either one. You were just glancing at me when you I said know. that. Yeah, I mean, either one, either one. Uh, let's say if you roost a bird in the evening, okay, and... Have y'all ever did like a flight sequence at that evening? So to leave him with a picture of hey, there's a hen here. Then the next morning, give a couple of soft, soft calls, and he just flies right to your lap. Or do y'all just not say nothing to him? Owl hoot, find him, roost him, and leave him. Or do you give him something to think about all night? That's a good question. I I can't remember if I've ever done a fly up call to him. I probably have at some point, but normally, no. I'll just sit there quiet and let him do his thing and remember what tree he's in and and come back. And I'll usually, I might call to him in the tree the next morning, but I usually wait till as soon as his feet hit the ground, give him a few yelps, let him know I'm there. So he's not up in a tree anymore. He can't look for me. So once he hits the ground, we got some terrain or something between us. I can give him a few yelps. That's normally how I do it. All right, Shane, go ahead since you left out. So... uh, (laughs) I have done that on a few occasions where I was working a bird and up until fly up and he flew up and I and I wanted him to have and I don't we don't know how well a bird remembers if he remembers a, you know the, the previous day or he just wakes up and say oh a new day groundhog you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have done it on a few occasions where I they flew up and then I yelp yelp and they beat my legs and try to sound like it's hard to duplicate that sound of going up he's probably in the tree going yeah that bird flapped <laughs> on the ground and stayed on the ground <laughs> that's um, a good point they, they probably can pinpoint that location yeah, oh, that well. turkey just got killed he's wrestling down there <laughs> <laughs> um, stroking out I can't say that it's worked because uh, the two occasions I did it on that I can recall off the top of my head we didn't call those birds in the, the previous morning they flew down to other hens and, okay. uh, and did their thing um, normally, if I get one to gobble in the evening or, or roost, I just try to pinpoint what tree he's in, and I try to get as tight as possible, and that's basically it. So that's what I do. Get now, fly fly down cackles in the morning. Yeah, I'll do those. I think most people uh, do those occasionally. Okay. All right, random question. Um, you guys, do you walk in with a light or not? I mean, I'm getting out there a lot of times, two or three o'clock in the morning. No, nope. I hate lights. I do not use a light. My daddy's old school. He gets on me. He kills turkeys just like I do, and it's like, well, I use a light. Well, I don't. <laughs> I ain't I, doing I, it. <laughs> deer hunting, yes. Turkey yeah. hunting no. uh, from a distance. If yeah. i got to walk a mile and a half, I'll use, sure. a, use sure. a light first. And when I get close, I've had, I've got under turkeys with no light that didn't know I was there. Mm-hmm. And then I've got under turkeys with a light during deer season and had them just explode yeah, out of the trees. Yeah. They don't yeah, like yeah. it. I've seen enough turkeys explode out of the trees when I'm tracking deer with my mm-hmm. dog. And, uh, they you know, don't like Or not light. even just that, just deer hunting, like you, you said. Sure? Um, I don't use a light unless, like, if I'm going a long ways. When I get to a distance, I think, okay, now I need to shut my light off because I'm. they may start being able to see it here soon. That's exactly what I do. Um, yep. 
there are occasions where I run a red light or maybe mm -hmm. just my phone real dim on the ground. Just like yeah. if I'm in thick cover and I need to see to get through this stuff. A little keychain light or something. Yeah, yeah but if, if I'm looking for a snake right before I sit down, that's <laughs> always been my thing. Like I, I was sitting on a cotton mouth, I get a little bitty dim light right, right on my butt. I'll take, I'll take my little headlamp with the red light setting and I'll cup it in my hands mm -hmm. and just let a little sliver of light between my fingers and on the red light setting. If I really have to, if I need to, yeah. like, if it's real crunchy and I don't want to break a bunch of sticks, just need to see where I put my foot. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, turkeys, turkeys seem to be, be uh, eas uh, easily spooked by lights That's underneath right. them or, mm -hmm. or in the vicinity of them. And then you I, got deer. You walk, you, like, I walk, had a doe walk by me 10 yards away when I was trying to pick my tree to climb back there in bow season. That's I'm wild. shining a white light all around, like, where's my tree? Is this <laughs> hackberry tree somewhere? I've dropped a pin here. And uh, I walked past it, and I was shining my white light around and heard a stick break, and this doe comes down like 10 yards from me, lo <laughs> looks at me, and then just keeps walking. Mm -hmm. and then she got downwind and ran off. The, the light didn't, didn't do a thing, yeah, didn't phase for her. For deer, I, I walk in with a light. I don't usually just shine it around, but I keep yeah. it pointed to the ground. I, turkeys, I try to avoid it at all mm -hmm. costs if yeah. you know, possible. It's possible, yeah. yeah. Has, uh, has deer ever, have y'all walked in deer? Just say lunchtime, y'all bunt, y'all bust a group of does, and you're working a bird 200 mm. yards away. Do y'all think it has, that has the effect on the bird? If it's it, it's a deer run that way, yeah. yeah just, if it runs right by that turkey, a lot of times, gonna, it, yeah. I've I've had yeah, them I had spook turkeys last year. where they fly away, but um, if they know what it is, I'm sure they've encountered encountered it plenty of times in their life. I usually just you know wait a while let them settle back down and then try to start over with those birds but i had a bird last year uh bump some does off a point they ran right towards where the turkey that was gobbling he went quiet for a little while but then ended up calling him in took a while and he was on pins and needles as soon as his head popped over the rise mm -hmm. he took off flying like he was <laughs> he was like nervous. he was already ready he was so. already nervous and and that this was probably at least an hour after the deer had ran by him so I think it, and it could have just been a nervous turkey, but I think the deer had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Tell me this: What about a bear? You ever done that? No. Uh, I, I busted a bear. A bear. What? Yeah, yeah. Busted a bear in North Carolina. I was working a bird. About, I mean, he he was close to. I busted that bear. Came around this big old pine tree. That dang bear. I guess it was asleep. I don't know. Oh, but man, oh, that scared the ever. I, I didn't grow up around bears. Lower Alabama, you know, Central Alabama. And uh, anyway, as I come around this pine tree, I mean, I'm in a thick, thick swamp in uh, in North Carolina. So it's, I mean, it's some it's some terrain. I ain't never seen turkeys in this thick of a spot in my life. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I was probably realistically probably 100 yards from this bird, and I'm trying to get as high as I can because you cannot see 10 yards in front of you. I mean, whatsoever. I come around this big old, I'm telling you, it's a big old virgin pine. I mean, he, oh, shine, yeah, enormous yeah. pine. And I come around it, and this bear just, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm talking about five yards, man. From, I'm talking about, I, I literally dropped my gun, dropped my gun, and everything it scared me so How bad. How dropping a gun? <laughs> I know, but it scared me so bad. And uh, anyways, he ran directly through that turkey, and you heard. Oh wow! I said, "You've got to be kidding me!" It took me an hour and a half to get maybe 150 yards to this bird. It was that thick. I've never seen and that then, kind of then the bear stuff. Scared them away. Bear just, bear I've, scared I've only had a few away. bear encounters. Um, nothing that scared the birds away. Mm -hmm. Kind of scared me a little bit. Yeah. It was uh, Joe, uh, not Joe Slayton. Um, um, Tom Dunn, I hunted with in uh, Wisconsin. He was just breaking light. This was on public land. We saw a figure coming down. He's like, Shane, what is that up there? And I was looking at it. I was like, 
another turkey hunter maybe? He said, no, I don't think that's a turkey hunter. It was just in that barely gray light. He kept getting closer, and he said, I believe that's a bear. I said, a bear? <laughs> this was my, my first experience of ever seeing a bear in, in my life. And he walks all the way down, and he's looking away from us, like across a field or something. And I said, I hope he doesn't come this way. And no sooner than I finished the Y on way, he turned and ran right to us and right in the bushes where we were at, like five feet from me. And I've got my camera like this filming him. And I said, he looked, kind of looked my way, and I said, ah, like that. <laughs> and he hauled butt out of there. Oh, no. Huh? And I looked over at my buddy, and he had the shotgun. And he said, Shane, I was getting ready. <laughs> And I was like, man, I, I don't mind seeing bears. I just don't like seeing them that close. Yeah, I've, I've had experience, too. Don't talk, don't talk about that. Yeah, I was up in a saddle, and it scared me. Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube Tyler, channel. Yeah, Tyler's it. hilarious. Oh, my but, gosh. This bear encounter. Get back to turkey here. I got a question. I've always wanted to hunt in Florida, and I was going to this year, but I just ain't that kind of man yet. I, just, I'm, I know I, I can't go there and kill one. I don't think I can. I'm not. Either way. You're not that kind of man, like, scared of alligators or something? No, or I mean, the way. No, I just feel like I'm not I'm not good enough to go to Florida yet. Oh, I don't, I don't, skill, I don't, skill, uh, You think your skills are not yeah, up to par. Yeah, the skills ain't up to par. I don't well, waste money and all kill that. One, if you can kill one somewhere, you can kill them in Florida. And that is just a different topography, a different That's terrain. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you, do you uh, I know the elevations, is, there's no elevation down there. No. Nope. And... Do you see turkeys fly down in the water? Have you, will y'all, or do they? they no, I haven't. <clears throat> and I'm, I've watched enough Dave's videos to know they will walk right through it and stuff. Um, what I experienced in my years of turkey hunting in Florida is they will fly more readily than, say, you know, a like Alabama one, bird just in the woods or something. Yeah. Same thing up in the hill country in Minnesota. Those birds will, to get from one ridge to the other, they will just take off flying. You know, and they always say turkeys would rather run than fly. But Florida Florida birds, where there's a lot of water, they won't hesitate to fly from one hammock to another hammock or, or a cypress head. They just up and fly because they've learned that's the way to get around. Instead of walking through the water. Yeah. So okay. find those those little islands of woods and any dry land around it. That's usually where you're going to find them. And then if there's no turkeys there, it doesn't mean there won't be any later that just happen to get up and fly. Yeah. I've seen it firsthand birds come out in front of me in florida and then they just get up like hens and get up and fly to that hammock i could see over there and i'm like what spooked her and then it was later i realized oh that's she's just traveling you know, so, so you're saying if, if if i sit up on a bird and it's uh, i'm on this canal or this hammock and there's water in between and they're, so they're liable to so pitch, just right pitch, across. pitch right across they're liable and to just pitch right across even though it's but if it's shallow enough as in Dave's video show they'll, they'll, they'll walk, just walk right too. through it okay and that's the that's the hardest thing to get through whenever you're hunting anywhere in this country that's different is you know like up up north in Minnesota Wisconsin me and Dave were talking about this Dave Owens you know I grew up in the south and if it was thick briars or thick cover you weren't calling a turkey into that turkeys yeah. weren't going into that they were going to get eaten by something but up there, I mean, the ground cover is so thick. I mean, if you get down to a foot on the ground, it's a little bit open. The animals can survive that, and it's good habitat for them. They have no problem going through that stuff. Now, we don't have the snakes and stuff like we do down south, but we still have coyotes and, and other predators up there, and some wolves and, and black bear. Um, but it seems like the turkeys up there are more readily to go into thick cover than they are down here. 
and I just dropped a video recently that one it was like the wood the tree and the bushes and we're sitting there and uh, you couldn't see in front of you it's just so thick mm -hmm. this turkey just be bopping through this stuff with his head sticking up out of it so I mean it's the same way with Florida if you go in there with a preconceived idea of how turkeys act it may not be true for a different region of yeah. the country and it's and just traveling and that's what's fun about traveling hunting new areas and learning these things like oh I had an idea this is the way turkeys acted everywhere but it's not the case Gotcha. Right, question Shane so when did you start traveling so that happened because I moved to Minnesota okay um, I, I lived in South Carolina we had a 30-day season five burden limit I got my feel moved to Minnesota and um, their season at the time was broken into many seasons and to distribute hunting pressure you you know you applied for a season some hunters would get that season a B C D E whatever those seasons were five days long you got one bird so I went from 30 days and five birds to five days and one bird. And I, I was like, I am not waiting 365 days to go out mm -hmm. there and hunt one day or two days or just a couple of days. So I first started looking for people to let me tag along with their hunt and film their hunts. And, uh, and that's how I kind of got my YouTube channel mm -hmm. started, um, just so to, to extend my season. And then I decided, uh, hey, I can get a tag over in this state and actually hunt for myself also. And so that's kind of what South Dakota, I think, was one of the first states I traveled to. I don't really count Wisconsin because I mm -hmm. live on the border. Yeah. But that was kind of the real out-of-state hunt, South Dakota. I loved the, the terrain out there. It was, you know, just something different and beautiful I have never seen. I was like, I got to go do some more of this. And so the following year was a couple more states added on. Mm -hmm. And then my girlfriend was like, yeah. um, this is getting a little out of hand. <laughs> At first it was one state. Now it's three. Now it's eight. Yeah. 49. It's not going to get any better. Yeah. No. But so... Just warning anyone out there that's thinking about traveling this turkey hunting. Not only is turkey hunting addictive, but traveling the turkey hunt and seeing new parts of the country and the new terrain. and the change of scenery is what I like. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's change of scenery, good. like different Walmarts you sleep in. The, yeah. I mean, parking lots. Dollar Generals. Yeah. And the sweets, baby. Yeah. Uh, I got another question, Shane. <clears throat> okay, man. Y'all are so worried about lights, which I am too. Does a camera light ever in, like, when it's breaking daylight, I'm noticing your videos, your 360 camera or the, your main camera, the, LS, the screen on it is pretty bright. And I, I'm always worried about that, too. Does that... It's brighter in the video because of the way the lenses work. So what you're okay. seeing is actually more uh, brighter than it is in real life. Okay. I, I am concerned about that, but I always try to keep my screens pointing back at me. Or either I just turn the monitor, the screen off on it. The problem with that is... I like to be able to glance up and see that it's still rolling when this turkey's coming in. I don't want to shoot a gobbler and then look around and all my camera's battery's dead and I have nothing mm -hmm. but audio or nothing at all. Um, I know one hunt last year, you was in uh, Minnesota. You had you was facing the bird. You was facing this way. and the oh, bird yeah, Audio podcast. Audio podcast. Okay. So, you, so, say, you, you use a clock. Yeah. Let's say you was facing 12 o'clock. Okay. Okay. And the bird came in at 6 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Do you remember? He was hammering. Came in from behind you, walked all the way behind you. He was fired, hammering. Was that the Iowa hunt? Yeah, okay, it might have been Iowa. He was up on top of a ridge. Yep. He came in behind he has you. awesome footage. I remember he that. Came, he yeah. came in from my uh, three o'clock. Yeah, okay, three o'clock. left. I'm from Alabama. What's left? What's right? I don't know. He man. came in from behind you, <laughs> and, I, and I can see that's the the, the, the video I remember. The LC, the screen was the real 360 bright. camera. Okay, so he got in behind me, and I had the 360 camera, so you were able to see him walking behind me, yeah. spinning, drumming, and gobbling. 
but my main camera's pointing this way. He can see my viewfinders all lit up. I was thinking he might got spooked because of of that. Because I think that's why he putted at one point. Yeah, because I think he got around the tree enough to see the tripod and the camera, but he couldn't quite see the screen yet. And he took another step or two, and he saw it. And he said, "Because he was only eight steps from yeah. me." Literally, I walked, took eight steps, and that was at where he was standing. And he said, and then I said, and he calmed down, and, yeah. and, and then he kind of walked away, and, and, and then I that's ended up the, shooting him eventually. That's why but, the question for the, the camera, I thought, I remember seeing that, and, I, you know, he got all the way, all way behind the tree, and he took a couple of steps. You could hear him walking, and then he putted, then the yeah, camera. It's, it's definitely a concern, but... Um, it's a risk I have to take. I, yeah. I want to. I want to make sure I get everything on video and and whatnot. And yeah, there's some things I could do differently. You know, I get criticized because I don't have face paint on sometimes, and I just get. And I know that can affect a turkey mm-hmm. seeing me. Sometimes I just get lazy and I don't want to put anything. I hate a face. I remember mask some of the first time <laughs> I, I, I saw you do that. I'm like, wow! And he, yet he kills another two or three birds. Yeah. I'm like, well. Never mind. <laughs> I, I wear I wear a face mask. I've never once worn face paint, I, yeah. and I don't like wearing a mask either. But I will during turkey season. Now come deer season, I don't care. I don't wear camo half the time during deer season. I get criticized for that. Like, oh, they mm. see your face. Oh, they saw <laughs> this and that. Well, actually, I was trying to handle a camera and a weapon mm-hmm. at the same time, and that's probably what they saw. But yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> another thing. I'd, everyone would say, why don't you wear gloves? I'm like, have you ever tried to operate the buttons on yeah, a camcorder exactly. and stuff with the gloves on? You know, and maybe I should wear face paint or something like that. I don't know. Sometimes it's just to appease them so they say, okay, he was camouflaged. The turkey didn't spook because of his face. Face mask, to me, it just blocks too much peripheral vision, like looking down especially. Um, If you look at the last video of me and Scott Woodard, uh, when he's getting up to move forward, he, he he has to turn his head towards the ground to see where he's about to step. Whereas with a face mask, I don't have to look at the ground. I can look straight ahead. And my peripheral can see the sticks or rocks I'm about to step what, what on. What are you talking about? Instead of a face mask, instead you use of face, face mask, mask yeah. face paint, because now yeah. it doesn't block my peripheral, and I'm able to walk without minimal movement. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing when you're trying to sneak around and stuff. If even if you wear a face mask, pull that off your head That's because right. the turkey's going to see you with or without that face mask oh, when yeah. you're trying walking, to walk. Walking with a face mask put it is around your pointless. Neck. Yeah. Walking with camo is kind of pointless. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to pick up on movement regardless. Yeah. Say one thing. Uh, go ahead. That's the one thing I started doing. Just when I get tired of that face mask, I actually have a cork, and I have a lighter, and I burn it. Man, you talking about wipes off? I mean, smooth. I've tried that. I love it. I've, I've fallen in love with it. It to me, it was uh, a little more effort That's to right. yeah, keep yeah. striking yeah. and rubbing. And I just got I use kids' face paint from Walmart. Okay. I yeah. smear that on. Mm-hmm. I don't try to make any f- f- fancy designs. I put like a base layer of green and then some black. You look like the green giant. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I'm always surprised because a lot of times I, I forget to put it on the vehicle before I leave or at the vehicle, mm-hmm. and so then I get onto the turkey and I don't have any lights I can turn on, That's obviously. Right. So I just do it in the dark. And I woke up. I mean, I, I it got daylight one time after I shot a gobbler or got finished hunting, and I look. You know, I'm talking to the camera, and I and all of a sudden I'm shocked at what I see. And one time I looked like Ronald McDonald. I had like big eyelids and stuff. And I'm like, I was like, I gotta fix this. Is that a is, is that 360 camera? Is that has that changed the way you way you film now? Um, not really. I just you know, I, I was using action cameras, traditional ones, just sticking like GoPro type cameras, just sticking them in the ground around me on these little selfie sticks. Um, 
it has affected a little bit in, in which cameras I use when yeah. I'm walking and talking, but for the most part, it's, it's uh, I just stick it in the ground. I know I know when I first started watching you, you had a tripod. You had th- three GoPros facing four and three facing to you. Thank God those days are over. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I couldn't do it, man. I was trying to capture every direction yeah. just in case or whatever, and I had uh, a battery pack. Uh, and I, it's, not Velcro, it? it's not Velcro. It's like that Scotch snap lock yeah. and snap stuff. And I'd snap a battery on the side of my camcorder, and I'd put those cam one facing me and one facing forward. The one facing forward was so I'd have a tight view with my main camera, mm-hmm. and then I could cut to a wide view with yeah. the action camera. And what the problem with that was, those things act like a big antenna and vibrate That's and stuff. Right. And I, you know, when your turkey's in front of you, you're nervous, and the slightest little twitch would, you know amplified by those cameras on top and the, and the footage would be shaking yeah. so I finally it's like I gotta get these off there but um, so I usually I end up with like about four different cameras on each hunt running still still yeah. so you got the 360 the main you got one on your chest yeah, yeah well back then it was four hunts almost every hunt now it, it varies it's uh, depending on the situation it could be just a 360 of my main camera um, most times it's my 360 uh, uh, my 4k action camera and my main camera okay because the 360 footage it's one 5.7k but it's you know globally 360 yeah. degrees so when you get down to a 16 by 9 section just to show on youtube that's probably 720p or something yeah. it's not really that great this I, I like having the 4k action cameras because then if my main camera misses something or he walks out of frame while i'm aiming my gun that captures it and i can crop in with 4k and still get pretty good size of turkey in the footage at 1080 so my plan is right now sorry but uh garrett problem my buddy diy sportsman um i had him make me a little uh, 3d print he has a 3d printer at home 3d print a thing where i can put three of the 4k action cameras they're going to be my new 360 camera so i'll have one pointing in every direction for you and i'll just uh, stick that in the ground 12k yeah, it'll be 12K, 360. High tech, bro. So how many? I have a 360 going up for sale soon. How many more 24 terabyte external hard drives? You that's the biggest thing is storage. Yeah, because I I go through about 15 to 20 terabytes of storage per season, per spring season. I might go through two. That's a lot. I might go through two, maybe. But I'm carrying one. I'm filming 4K, but I'm. I video in excess though. I hit record on like my audio as soon as I get out of the truck. It runs continuous. Uh, mm. A lot of these yeah, action cameras and stuff are just running continuous. I have 256 gigabyte SD cards in the action cameras. I have these 10,000 milliamp hour battery uh, power banks that the cameras are plugged into. I got a 20,000. If I want to run the GoPro, yeah. I run a wire through my shirt up to. It's to my head, or if it's on my head or on my chest or whatever. Yeah, and it allows you to record. Like, I could run these things for, like, six or eight hours continuously. Mm. So you never miss no audio from the time you get out of the truck. Yeah, it's, it's recording. So, I mean, there's things that happen when I there's no camera rolling this, you know, and, and you'll sometimes I've used that part of it. It's like, while this, I'll put text, like, while the yeah. camera's off, and you hear, like, a tree almost killed us. It fell mm-hmm. down, me and Devin, and then I got the camera on. Or one gobbles. Or like with me and Doug in, uh, in Florida, oh. I just had the audio going. We, I said, while walking in, sneaking into the dark, Doug stepped on every freaking limb in the woods and scared the turkeys <laughs> out of the tree. And, and we had hens flushing out of the tree above us. And, uh, you know, certain things like that. But typically, uh, I try to keep the cameras going as much as often. And it's easy. People say, how do you handle all that? 
Well, it's easy to, you know when something important happened. So on the um, cameras are not recording in like a continuous eight hour clip. They're, it breaks them down to, depending on the model, eight minute clips each one. And they, they'll, when you put them on your timeline to edit, you can butt them up and it's seamless, right? So if I let it run for a long time and nothing happens, when I get home, I don't have to keep all that footage. I can say, okay, something happened at this point. I'll save a lot of the clips in front and a lot in back. These three hours are nothing. I just delete them, and so I mean, yeah. it's not like I'll do the same thing, except on a much smaller scale. I'm not recording for eight hours. <laughs> but so sometimes I'm I fall asleep next to a tree and I wake up, and they're all still rolling. I'm like, <laughs> so, so when you hunt, you just got the main camera, no GoPro. Occasionally a GoPro, but for for the most part, just a main camera. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. It's like, like a first person. Can, type, I, can I say something? about your videos is it i always look at them i'm amazed because i'm out there running four cameras and not doing this and that and you go out there with the basic setup so you should be giving advice on how people how to film their hunts because you go out there with the basic setup and it's always great footage yep. great shots of the deer or turkey you're, you're trying to get and i'm like how does he do that mm. i mean so kudos well, thank you. I thought you were going to give me crap about not recording. Yeah, I know, too. Because <laughs> you did, too. Oh, that, too. I know, yeah, I know you, you've you corrected that some. You continually get on my case about not, not recording enough. That's funny, because when we were hunting together up in Minnesota and Wisconsin or something, or, or maybe in Tennessee, um, he was video, and he likes to hit start and stop and not give pre-roll or post-roll or whatever. <laughs> and he give, would give me the footage, and I'm like, oh, here's a great clip, and then it stopped. And like, <laughs> there was one in Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota where Aaron Warburton and them were up there, and I walked to the truck, and he's filming me and Aaron interact. And I'm like, oh, this is a great clip, and, and all of a sudden it just stops. And I'm like... <laughs> You got to quit hitting start and stop so much, man. Yeah. Let it get another ten seconds. But yeah. that, if I, I had to criticize, that would be the better. only one. I, I still do that, but I, I think <laughs> I've gotten a little better on that. Yeah. But uh, filming the wildlife and everything, I don't know. That's something I've always enjoyed. Getting footage, like I'll, if, every time I see an eagle or something, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop what I'm doing to film a critter, just because I like. I like. And that's what I lack at. I mean, like I look at yours. You have while you're talking, and it makes it a much more enjoyable experience to watch his and and then cut something on the b-roll whatever i i have a bad habit of explaining what i'm doing and it's just my face and i'm like i, I gotta yeah b-roll helps i gotta, helps. I gotta, I gotta break that up so mm-hmm. helps tell the story andrew also andrew when we used to film a, a bunch on like the hunting stuff and the, the hunting are on hunts which we stopped a couple years ago um he was always getting on my case too for like uh, he's like stop just doing little clips he's like just film everything and we'll figure out what we need and what we don't need he's like we'll just fill up sd cards because yeah i was just like clip three seconds okay and he's like I, I can't do much of this dude i was gonna like clip 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 anyways yeah so i've okay. noticed with the b-roll it's better to leave it recording you know you're just filming trees it's nothing but it's good to throw in while you're talking mm. and and uh i would do like three or five seconds and it wasn't enough because i talked more than i realized you know, explaining so the situation. So then you got to put it in slow motion so the leaves are really moving. <laughs> yeah, or just show more of my face talking, yeah. which is more boring. So I've noticed, I've told myself, you know, at least 10 seconds, 15 seconds of B-roll, uh, depending on how much I was it's, talking. I don't know where I saw it, but it's kind of a rule of thumb. Like when you start a clip, it should run for five, at least five seconds before you start actually getting what you want. Like if you're going to do a pan of your area, oh, hit yeah. record, count five seconds, and then start panning. When you get to the finish of your pan, wait five seconds, hit stop. Yeah, that I don't know where I saw that, but it, it's helped a lot in my... In yeah, with my footage. camera that I'm using now, the image stabilization, if you pull that camera up and start recording, it's still trying to adjust because it has mm-hmm. the, uh, the 
uh, what's it called digital stabilization mm-hmm. so it's still like straightening everything out is it optical or digital oh, it's optical I it's digital it's the ca- uh, Panasonic I'm running right now is a uh, digital it's not. It's not optical. You run the Sony, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's so there's, yeah, so there's two different types of optical. Mine is the optical where it actually moves the entire limb, uh, uh, lens assembly, mm-hmm. and then the the optical and like say uh, just a regular one has like the sensor is moving on a X Y axis. It could so, be. It could be the sensor. So that's probably what yours is. It's. Yeah, it could, it could be that too. Sony uh, X fifty three. See, so, yeah, so my Sony can, is is not working well the touchscreen doesn't work i need to get it repaired would y'all recommend like somebody get into hunting and said you know this camera's like i bought this refurbished off best buy for like six six fifty seven hundred dollars oh you got it is that the 53 yeah, yeah, yeah that's a 53 that's, like that's, a, a, that's a heck of a deal because yeah. they haven't dropped in value at all, at all. If, if not gone up like if you go to yeah. best buy you you can buy the refurbished ones and all they do like somebody might use it you know how it is they might yeah. send it back nothing wrong with it just want their money back and uh, how about that? And but I noticed a lot of people like my phone is a newest iPhone, and it takes almost as good as video as one of these cameras I, does. I think here. I think it's eventually going to end up. We're going to be using our phones. Mm, that's why I was going to ask you. No, we're going to need the optical zoom to catch up because you still can't beat a camcorder for no, zoom. No, no. And when the audio is key too. Audio too. Yeah, but, but you can hook a microphone up to a phone. Well, here's yeah. the thing. My lab mic that you see me in my. People, a lot of people don't know this. Most of the audio from my videos is coming straight from that lav mic. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually cut the mic off this in the, you know, in the layers, especially deer hunting, because there's yeah. nothing useful in it. Other than the only thing I hate about my lav mic is if I get it in the wrong spot, and then I can hear my boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. Or I just climbed a hill, and I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But like, like all of my boot, which I don't feel much as y'all do, but like this, this stays on my tripod. I got a little mini tripod I use, but all my B-roll, my interviews going in is all off my cell phone, and I just I hook it to my laptop and I get all that off. But as far as the, like kill shots is all this, but B-roll interview is all this. Pictures is all yeah, my phone. Yeah. I do use my phone somewhat, not I, for hunting footage, but for yeah, like B-roll or other type of. Yeah, videos. I've done it just self, you know, video myself, just like a little commentary. The the issue I see with phones, even though like last night a fellow showed me his new phone and and some pictures of a bald eagle he took at like 200 yards away and then the high resolution so high that you could zoom into the it filled the screen it was still good quality but you know storage space you know audio off a of phone yeah, stabilization you're, battery you're going to end up investing in some type of gimbal to operate it or you're going to have still shaky footage but i, I foresee one day a lot of this is going to go away and we're going to be doing a phone using a phone mm-hmm. for just about every freaking thing in our I'll life i'll say yeah i mean you got an android right shane yeah, yeah you need to upgrade yeah, that's what you need to upgrade to see these iphones have already got stabilization built in and, mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what it's I'm already right. smooth I, yeah i'm, I'm, we a, got, I'm see, still living in the stone ages stone like yeah, yeah. yeah. Androids, you know i gotta put almost, in my android hate here that's almost <laughs> like a flip phone you know, <laughs> does, <laughs> that, does that thing slide open oh yeah see look i we got three cameras. See, we got three cameras on our phones. Look at this. Shane. I think you got like. I got I two because I'm I'm not as cool as you guys. And they say they do not crack, but yeah, they crack. It's like, like two years ago it was ATA, and I filmed everything with a gimbal on my phone, and it looked like some kind oh, it of good. Yeah, like some kind of footage from like a red camera. It whoa, was, whoa, 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 whoa! I know, I know, a little strange. <laughs> that, that, that is some false advertising but right still, there. I mean, it's still good. Half. How you just lost half your listeners. Yeah, how much is Apple paying you, dude, to talk about this? I guarantee you, with that footage I got that gimbal, you couldn't tell if it was a phone or a camcorder. I know for a fact. 
I mean, don't say red camera. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, straight. Awesome. Actually, I actually bought a. Um, I have a little camera thing. It's mainly for taking photos of myself mm-hmm. after I, you know, kill a deer or a turkey or something. But I, it's on a little selfie stick with a spike mm-hmm. that I can stick in the ground. And oh, I thought about nice. just putting it in front of me. And I've actually used it on my um, on my bow, mm-hmm. on the quiver. I, I, I put my camera up on the top mm-hmm. there. And if I see a deer coming, I hit record, and it was shooting in four. This is before I had a 4K action camera, and my phone was 4K at the time. I'm like, I'm just gonna video this deer, you know, until you shoot the bow, and then the whole phone shakes well, <laughs> or I'll falls what, off. Uh, I got an old Apple <laughs> phone that you use. I got an old Apple phone that you use I, for, for I pictures. I use an Apple. Yep. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, not, to, not to get too you know down the rabbit hole on the film side. I do want to get back to a little bit of turkey killing yes. and, and turkey hunting mm-hmm. because I mean that's what I think we're all fired up for, especially with uh, you know season coming up. Uh, who, where are y'all opening all season up, Shane? Like where, where you can go to first? Mississippi, and I know they have that um, uh, limited draw for non-resident hunters mm-hmm. on public this year and, and whatnot i've applied for all that but i have some private land backup so i will be in mississippi for opener um i'm going to illinois for the first time in forever last time i hunted there was like a media hunt with the nwtf so i'm going to be hunting public land in illinois uh, i'm going to nebraska um, south dakota my regular places minnesota wisconsin iowa and michigan so I'm, I'm not hunting quite as many states as i have and, and lately um mm-hmm. florida got canceled i decided i just didn't want to do that again mm-hmm. and my buddy doug updike's gonna come up and hunt michigan with me and uh i'm coming up yeah my buddy catman's gonna be up there too so that's kind of it mainly mississippi and in the, the midwest kind of the whole deal for me yeah well what about you jonathan I'm going to hunt wherever I can, Tennessee <laughs> and whatever bordering states I can get to. Um, I'd like to do Indiana if I have time. That's up in the air. Um, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky. I'd like to do Georgia and North Carolina. Well, that's up in the air. Um, and, of course, Michigan later on, early June. Yep. But we'll just see how the season goes and what i got time for. Yeah, And things work out, I'm hoping it to make a return it maybe one trip down south a return and go back to alabama i still uh want to get a bird down there after missing one years ago Mm -hmm. um and that still kind of sticks to my side i Mm -hmm. wish i'd gotten that bird but (laughs) uh, we'll see maybe next year if not this year um real quick kyle i want to bring it back to you real quick is there anything specific maybe to some of the national forest and public land hunting that you've been doing recently like in alabama that might would be worth us discussing not, I don't have anything in mind. I'm just wondering because you've been you've been really grinding on national forest the last couple of years. Where previously, you know, I guess you were hunting some public, but you also had I mean hunting some private too. But like, how has that shift been for you? Because I know everybody here, you know, hunts a mix of public and private. But I know public lands, you know, true and dear to all of our hearts. So, yeah, I mean, for one thing, for me, growing up hunting hunting private like I did, and being able to hunt umpteen thousand acres has just been unbelievable to me. You know, and it's uh, again kind of the biggest thing right now is getting over that habit stop chasing one bird again i got one in one section of the national forest that is just wrecking my mind mm-hmm. i was actually in a competition um opening morning and i'm i have to hunt private because it's close to the uh yep. the weigh-in and stuff and so i'm like kicking myself because i know i need to be way over there hunting that bird opening morning so that was driving me insane and uh so thank you state of alabama for for moving it to uh, April 1st now so I can get to hunt that private land then back back over there and everything but that's the biggest thing is uh really getting out scouting a lot more finding some other spots 
and um, finding, not locking finding down. other options. So finding when you get other that bird, options. Yep. Option Stop being so locked down on one daggum bird. That's mm. uh, the biggest thing. But quick question, just for everybody in the room, because especially with the different regulations that's been happening, like in Alabama, Mississippi, when it comes to public land, uh, what is y'all's thoughts on the aspect of what had happened during 2020, 2021, as this this spike of harvest rates, the spike of hunters and everything, maybe not being like the norm, and it's going to kind of go back down to what it was previously, that, you know, a lot of these regulations seems like a lot of things have shifted in the last year and a half, two years with everything that had happened. What is y'all's take on that with like a spike of, of activity on public land, and then now it's kind of melting back out as everybody's kind of going back to work and everything else? It, it's hard to say how it's going to go. There's definitely a huge spike with COVID, and then you've seen some regulation changes on public especially, but even statewide some places uh, regarding turkeys and, you know, bumping back the opening dates and doing, like, Mississippi doing a lottery for non-residents, stuff like that. I think a lot of that's a knee-jerk reaction. It may be a good thing in the long run, mm-hmm. but it's too early to tell, I think. I'd, so, I'd, much, so you, I'd much prefer seeing their stance. Um, I wish Mississippi hadn't a, a, you know, raise their rates or whatever. I don't like seeing states raise non-resident fees just mm-hmm. because they can. I watched the, uh, the commissioner meeting there when they came out and talked about it. And one of the commissioners said, can't we make it higher? Just kind of a, off the off the top of his head. I'm like, that is, no, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't talk like that. You shouldn't be talking like that. It's like yeah. treating us like second class you know, citizens. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, everyone's a non-resident in 49 other states. You know? um, so how, how much higher did it go? can't recall but it went up quite a bit i think mm-hmm. uh, i mean like the um seven day license or something it, they raised it i can't remember off the top of my head so i don't want to speak on mm-hmm. that um, my main concern was the lottery i think that's a good approach um, d- um if you don't want f- if you don't want as many hunters for any reason whether the residents non-resident give a lottery you know and allow people um there's i think they should have communicated more with the northern states that have that type of system in longer and know how to deal with it. South Dakota is a good example. Wisconsin, I consider the gold uh, standard. I'm taking the words from their wildlife people. That's what they called it, and I agree. They have the gold standard in their season structure and turkey season, the way they distribute pressure, and everyone gets, you know, tags. You know, everyone's happy, and the birds remain healthy up there, you know, the population, whatever. Even through this spurt through COVID, you know, because they have a setback limit on how many tags they give out. It's not, there's 10,000 people in Alabama, for example, and you all get four tags. Up there, it's this is how many tags, and when they're sold out, they're sold out, but this person could get two if they want to be two, uh, kill two, or try to kill two gobblers, and this person could get 10 if they want, you know, that sort of thing. So it keeps the people happy that just want to casually hunt, and the people who want to hunt longer can get more tags, and you don't ruin your flock because you're not over-harvesting. You're still managing that limit on how many people. Um, I think lead into that, uh, that leads into, I think more state agencies should communicate with each other and see what mm-hmm. works in their state as mm-hmm. far as. But I think Mississippi took the right approach in doing that lottery. I'm fine with that. I mean, I can I can go hunting later in the season if I had yeah, to. I'm, I'm waiting till April to go. Yeah. I don't even care to go. I've that always early. been told April is better to come to Mississippi anyway, and, I, and that's from people that buddies of mine that live there. Um, I'm just I want to get started early. So when and that's a, another mm-hmm. reason Mississippi saw that big jump is because all the states around them dropped their seasons to a later date. 
where else is there left to go? Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi and Florida is about it. it that, that you could go that early. Yeah, and if you look at all the other states that are you know, farther north, for example, and you look at their resident and non-resident hunters, a lot of them have returned to close to normal levels after COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the biggest thing we still see is there's more non-resident uh, hunters because people more I think more and more people are starting to travel because maybe the turkey hunting is not quite as good at where they live or in my case I just love turkey hunting so much I, mm-hmm. I just want to keep doing it all season long <laughs> if it would go into July I would probably still go turkey hunting if there was a season in July I would yeah. be divorced <laughs> <laughs> I know I know Bama they, uh, they got the way you can kill one bird the first 10 days Ain't, ain't that correct? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. Is, that yeah. a, is that on WMA's in yes. the open, po- open permit the, public, or yeah. is that statewide? I think that's. I think. I think it's statewide. I think that is statewide. Statewide. I don't like But that. I know WMA National Forest. You can two birds April per. Two birds per. Two birds per area. 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 Per management area or yep. forest. I guess one question I have is that mean the adjacent national forest that's a hundred yards yeah. from that WMA or has my, my question. Know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just seems to be overcomplicated. Yeah. I would things. just call the game warden uh, in, in the area that you're hunting and ask them because they're the one that's going to get you in trouble if that's you do right. something yep. wrong. Yep. If they yep. want to, in my opinion, if they want to go that route, then they should do like Florida and just open a quota hunt for that particular WMA, mm-hmm. and you know, ten hunters can go in there and kill ten birds or one bird each. You know, something like that. I don't know. I don't like additional regulations yeah, in anything. I like it keep it simple as possible. Um, here's ten dollars for my in my resident hunting license for turkey. Go hunting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's nice up there. Like I grew up in the south, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Had, you had to buy a WMA permit, big game permit, and so, yeah. hunting like this. Up there, you buy a turkey permit. That's your turkey hunting license, your permit, all in one. If you don't want to hunt deer, you don't have to worry about it. If you want to hunt public land, that's all included. You just go pay your twenty-six dollars. You go turkey hunting anywhere in the state, private or public. It's very simple. Wow. Makes things like So <laughs> as a traveling turkey hunter, I get on these websites and, and I'm like, okay, hunting license, turkey permit. Luckily, some states will warn you to get ready to check out. Wait, wait, wait. You need this also, you know. Mm-hmm. But some states won't. And you can get in trouble if you don't read the rules and see exactly sure. what you need. It'd yeah. be nice if it was all a inclusive. Bunch of, bunch of hoops learning all the different <laughs> states' it's regulations. A it is a job. It is a job. Is Tennessee down to three? Birds, or yeah. Like as of last three? year, last I think it was last year was the first year it was three. Yeah. yeah. So, which I don't know if that's making a difference or not, but they just I think too many people were complaining about oh four birds is too much, and they didn't want to drop it down to two because then people would really lose their minds. Oh, so they're yeah. just like, all right, three birds. <laughs> a compromise. Yeah, pretty percent. much just a compromise. I don't know yeah. if it actually is going to do anything. So, yeah, so because most of the people weren't feeling uh, killing more than three anyway. So that yeah, most people don't kill more than two. Yeah, if mm. you look if at the harvest oh, wow. rates for hunters. Like, very few people kill more than one turkey a year. Like, in, in most, I mean, it's talking like states where you can kill multiple turkeys. I know we looked at it in Alabama, because Alabama for the longest time, of course, you kill five birds, and the amount of people that were actually killing five birds, about 5%. Yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just a super small number, but then again, you got a lot of outlaws that are killing 10, 12, 15, 20 turkeys. Yeah, that's the, those are your local issues. If you got yeah. those, mm-hmm. those killers that are just uh, poaching them, that's not affecting the whole state. That's mm-hmm. affecting your certain whatever area the poachers are bad yep. in. Yeah. And that's like a local issue. That's up to the game wardens, I guess. Yeah. Well, to kind of get cl- uh, point to a point where we can start closing this out a little bit, uh, does anyone else have any like kind of final questions or anything y'all want to discuss before I got one up? for Shane? You said you, you was going to Mississippi first. Is that 
Is that a lottery for everybody? So you have to put in. What's the last? You know, the last time you can put in to, to get. The deadline was February fifteenth to apply. Oh, so yeah, you missed it by a, a yeah. day or two. Ah, I ain't going. <laughs> but you yeah, still get some door you, you can't go. Well, you can still go to to private. Oh, okay. So you it's still only for public. So you have to apply, for, and they're going to limit the number of uh, non-residents to. Did you say the oh, number? Oh, I have no someone, idea. I think someone told me the number, like 1,100, 1,400 people. Um, back like to the normal uh, non-resident numbers prior to COVID. And uh, so that's people that can hunt public land like national forest and this and that. But they also have their quota hunts also. So you can apply for both. You okay. could apply for a quota. If you didn't draw that, you also could apply just to hunt general public. Yeah. If you don't uh, draw for either one of those and you have private, you can still go hunt their opening day on okay. private. And that's that's the reason I'm still going to Mississippi because I have some backups of private that uh, okay. if I don't draw my public uh, permit, then I'll go there um, and, and hunt private. I'd prefer to be on the public just because it's it's nothing about, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just to get that status of public. No, <laughs> yeah. I enjoy public because I can go and come, come and go as I please. And, um, you know, I just, you it's just like it's your own land yeah, pretty much. That's, you got that's why I look at all public. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sure. like my own 100,000 acre uh, yeah, instead back 40. Of, <laughs> instead, of having, instead of having, say, two, 300 acre private property you can hunt, you've got two... Like twenty or thirty thousand acres. I got and, private mm-hmm. property all over the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, so is, this is our land. Mm-hmm. You know why not? Why not go check it out? You know, you know it's going to take you years to learn a hundred thousand acre piece of forest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so there's always something to learn, something to find out there. It's more interesting. Yeah, that, that's a tip to everyone because of your question. If you're planning to hunt out of state, you should start now researching when to apply if, mm-hmm. if it's going to be like a quota hunt. So some of the good hunting is on those quota places, and, and I apply for them. I don't always get them, but uh, some states you have to apply just to hunt. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. the South Dakota is a good example for the prairie or whatever. So don't wait until February at the convention and say, hey, <laughs> when's the deadline? <laughs> a little too late. <laughs> sure. You're new to it. Yeah. Three, awesome. year, three years in. Kyle, do you got anything? I'm good. Awesome. Well, Jonathan and of course Shane, appreciate y'all coming out and uh, doing the podcast with us. Uh, of course, we got to plug y'all's channels. We got Catman Outdoors on YouTube and everywhere. And I guess Jonathan, you, well, I know you got merch. You still got merch on the website right now. I've got a little bit right now. I'll be restocking more stuff for turkey season. I'll be working on wing bone calls and that stuff. And what's the stuff. website? Catmanoutdoors.com. All right, and Shane calling all turkeys on YouTube. Yeah, that's uh, the I guess the name of the the web series or YouTube series is you know. Oh, call, it's <clears> your name. Oh yeah. Yeah, ShaneSimpsonHoney.com. I changed. It used to yeah. be CallingAllTurkeys.com, but because I'm doing the deer tracking with my dog yep. and I'm doing uh, the deer hunting and, and that stuff, and I was like, I need to just put it under one name, and I didn't want to put a lot of effort into mm-hmm. uh, coming up with something fancy or something mm-hmm. like Catman Outdoors. So I was like. <laughs> My Instagram was already Shane Simpson Hunting because Shane Simpson was taken. Yeah. So I just like, you know, Shane Simpson Hunting. And then uh, my girlfriend was like, ah, oh, how conceited Shane Simpson Hunting, you know. I'm like, it's me <laughs> it's and I'm hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a basic uh, description. It's <laughs> always easier to say your name, too. Yeah, yeah. ShaneSimpsonHunting.com. And um, then, you, then the YouTube <clears throat> channel is Shane Simpson, right? Shane Simpson. I, I, I know, I actually, I changed it to Shane Simpson Hunting, too. I remember that because I've been saying Colin on but it, no, I remember looking at the videos. Yeah, it's Shane Simpson Hunting. So, so. yeah, the, the playlist or the, the, the series are called. Like, mm-hmm. Colin on Turkey is my turkey hunting series. Um, Public Land Whitetails is my whitetail hunting series. And then the Cali Chronicles is my deer tracking series. And then we have a new dog, so it has the Jasper Journals. 
So that, those will be coming up next year because he's doing pretty good in training. So yeah, I need to talk to you about my pup yeah. and some of the stuff we've been doing. With I, don't, I don't sell merch. I sell some turkey calls, but I'm getting ready to wrap up production of my personal calls that I make mm-hmm. um, with the Prodigy line. I do sell hooks stuff on mm-hmm. my site, so I don't have uh, shirts and stuff. If you come there looking for that, you're going to be uh, out of luck. You're let down. Let yeah. down. Awesome. Well, guys, appreciate y'all coming on. Uh, got an exciting season ahead of us. And, again, I don't know when this episode's going to drop, but it's been a fun time so far. Yeah. So best of luck to you guys in your season. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast. This show was literally made for you. It is an excellent group of people that are going to be there. A lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there. You're going to get to talk to them, shake their hand, learn from them in person, make some connections. And guys, we get a lot of questions about uh, which saddle should I get? Which tree stand should I get? What about this piece of gear? What about that piece of gear? How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.